Well, I think the Good Samaritan story is probably one of the most well-known parables that Jesus taught. It speaks into every era of history, every society, every community, and can be applied at every level. Laws have been written based on it, the Good Samaritan law, which protects a bystander who reasonably tries to assist someone they believe to be injured by the side of the road. Organisations and charities have been set up because of it, obviously the Samaritans is one example, offering support to those in distress. I think schools like to teach it and model it, the implied behaviour of caring for another. And there's a common understanding that regardless of race, tribe, religion and nationality, we should do it. Namely, help those in need. But I think there are some fundamentals with this parable that are overlooked. And I think probably the biggest one is the way most people read and understand it. As if Jesus is asking us in the conditional case, if you come across such a scenario, what will you do? But you see, this is not a conditional case study. This is not a what if. Jesus is not presenting to us a possible scenario. He is actually challenging us with an ever-present reality. In other words, we are on this journey, we are in this journey, where all around us, people, if you like, are beaten up, whether physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. We're all on this journey, we're travelling along this road, where people, if you like, are dumped by the side of it, alone, they're hurting, they're wounded, they're desperate for help. And actually, at times, those people are us, they're you and they're me. And the challenge is not so much what we do if we venture on this road and come across the situation. The challenge is who or what is moving us to respond as we go along the way? Who or what is moving us to respond? See, this parable is about life, not an aspect of it. This parable is about living, not a part of it. And this is the journey we are all And you see, we, we find this when we look at the story in the context of the whole of chapter 10. And actually, the bit before. When Jesus sends the disciples and the 70 out, and he, he says to them, he doesn't say to them, if you go your way, if you do this. He says, go your way, go on this road, heal the sick, and say to the people you come across, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's there for the taking. It's there for us to take hold of. There's no condition there's no ifs. These are commands. Go. And then added to that, when we look at the context of the story, it's based on the question, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And you see, this is a universal question that affects every single person who has ever lived, who lives and will live. 
I mean, this is the ultimate question we all face. What's going to happen next? What have I got to do to inherit eternal life? And of course the answer is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbour as yourself. Love the Lord your God with everything you are. There's a total surrender and an absolute commitment to love God and love your neighbour at all times and in all ways. I mean, this parable, this story, would have shocked and shaken the lawyer and those who were present who would have heard Jesus telling it. And actually, you know, when Luke accounted for this and wrote this down and people read it, you know, it still would have been as shocking. But you know, there's a sense in which this should shock and shake us too. That's quite hard to say, actually, shock and shake. Get your teeth out. You know, regardless of the historic enmity between Samaritans and Jews, and of course it would have meant much more to them back then as it does to us now, but we know what historic hostilities look like in terms of race. As much as there was that, Jesus highlights some key conditions in human behaviour that affect us all as we journey through life. And I just want to highlight four of them. Fear, avoidance, self-interest, and compassion. And I see he asked the question, who or what is moving us to respond? And I want us just to take a moment looking at those four things, just starting with fear. You know, I'm sure if you're like historians would have a much better grasp of what I'm about to say. But my senses looking over the past 50, 60 years is from the 60s and the 70s. You know, certainly in the West, we've kind of lived in the bubble that we're in control of our lives. You know, that if we make certain choices and have certain health cares in, in place and all of those things, we can look out for our lives, our health and our well-being. And probably this pandemic, more than anything else in recent times, has ripped the carpet from under our feet. And we're not so certain anymore. And the result is so many more people are living in fear. And of course there's so many other things going on in the world that bring this about. Now we don't know for certain in this story because we're not told. But one of the main reasons this priest passed this broken man by is likely to be fear. Being afraid that what happened to him might, sorry, what happened to this man might happen to him. See, when I was in my gap year, spent my time in Israel, uh, I had the opportunity to walk much of this route from Jerusalem to Jericho, it's called the Wadi Keld. And there are many prime spots along the way where you can be ambushed and attacked. It was a dangerous road to travel. But when we think about it, that's life, isn't it? Yet when we actually you know, take away all the cushioning that we try to put around us, life is dangerous in so many different ways. It's full of dangers. And you see, in the midst of it, fear can so easily rise up in us 
and take a grip. And we've seen this today with the pandemic. How many, how so many people are afraid. They're afraid of catching it. And please hear me, I, I understand that this is real. When we look at the statistics, when we see the number of families and homes that have been affected by it, the number of people who have died because of it, it's real. And fear is real. I'm, I'm not being critical or questioning it in any way. But this fear is gripping many people. Maybe you've even found that yourself at times. We're afraid of catching it. But you know the problem with fear? Whether it's to do with a pandemic, whether it's to do with being attacked, whether it's whatever it is, the problem with fear is when we are moved by fear, love is removed. Just allow that to sink in. When we're moved by fear, and I'm not talking about the fear of the Lord or anything like that, but when we're moved by fear, love is removed. When we're moved by fear, compassion is removed. It's like when we feast on fear. It's like love falls off the table. It's like scraps which the dogs come and eat. Turn that the other way around. John writes in his letter, 1 John 4, there is no fear in love. You see, fear and love, it's like you can't sit on the fence and say, I'm afraid and I have love. There's, there's no kind of like fence to sit on. And what John says to us is that there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. When we're moved by fear, even for a moment, love is removed. What's this priest, a bad man? We don't know. Jesus doesn't tell us that. But you know what? Because of fear, he was not living out of the love that God had placed in his heart to love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, strength and mind and to love our neighbour. He wasn't doing that as he journeyed along. And we need to know that. It has the same effect on us. But then there's avoidance. Walking on the other side of the road probably is something we have all done. My hand goes up. <laughs> and do, you know, from different times without even thinking about it. Why? Well, one of the reasons is we don't really want to get caught up in someone else's mess, if we're being honest. You know, maybe this is what Jesus was thinking about when he cites the Levite and he adds the phrase that when the Levite arrives, he came and looked and pass by on the other side. You see, there's always good reasons for avoiding these kind of scenarios. I don't have the time. This is a burden too much for me to carry. I'm not good in these situations. I don't like blood and mess and tears and troubles and pain. I don't have the skills and the expertise to, to help in this situation and so on. It's easy to convince ourselves that passing by is a good and even a necessary thing for our own well-being. And there's always someone else that's going to step in and help. But the problem with avoidance is when we're moved by it, care and kindness is removed. And as a church, for example, you know, if we claim to be loving and caring, I want to show kindness to our community. We can't be moved by avoidance. We can't avoid the difficult 
and the painful situations that are there before us. Fear avoidance. Self-interest, a third condition. I think this is one of the most powerful sources of momentum that kicks in, especially when there's danger or trouble around. You see, the test for us individually and as a church really is, is not when things are going well. Actually, what happens when we're in the midst of the storm? You see, self-interest always says, me first, my life. I've just got to make sure I'm okay or those around me, we're okay. Get your head down, keep going, just journey along regardless of what's going on around. What's this human condition present in the story that Jesus tells? Well, we don't exactly know, but we do see the stark contrast that's shown in the Good Samaritan that highlights, if you like, what happens, the absence, when we focus on self. And of course it's prevalent today. The problem with self-interest, when we're moved by it, goodness and generosity is removed. But then we come on to compassion. That beautiful and powerful human condition that when we're moved by compassion, fear and avoidance and self-interest is removed. The tables are turned. You know the, great, the Greek word for compassion, splagnosomai. That's a great word to say. Try saying that with a mask on. <laughs> splagnosomai. It paints a really descriptive picture. It literally means to have your bowels yearn. <laughs> now I know bowels yearn for all kinds of different reasons, but looking on the positive side of it, my bowels are yearning after that curry. No, it's not that. <laughs> you know when there's a, like that belly ache for someone or something, there's something that stirs so much within you to have passion for someone or something. And we see this in Jesus' ministry. You know, Jesus modelled compassion so perfectly. What it is to be a person of compassion. In Mark 1 verse 41, we're told that when the leper came to him, Jesus was moved with compassion. The bowels yearned within him. And he stretched out his hand and he touches the leper and he says to her, I am willing, be cleansed. You know, here was a man who had come to him full of disease where everybody else had rejected, cut him off, didn't want anyone, you know, it wasn't just wearing a mask around him, it was like nowhere near him. And Jesus' bowels were moved, that deep belly ache within him. What moved him? Not fear to catch the disease. Not avoidance to have anything to do with it. Not self-interest, you know, I'm busy, I've got to keep going. But compassion. Compassion to see this man healed and restored. In Mark 8, verse 2, Jesus has been teaching the crowds for three days. Just imagine that's some conference, just continually. Um, and it's the 4,000. And we read that he had compassion on the multitude because they'd been with him three days and they had not eaten. That's not the kind of conferences I used to know. <laughs> Seriously, it seemed to be well fed and all the rest of it. 
three days, no food. Listening to Jesus, his words were the food. But he had compassion on the crowd. What moved him? It wasn't worrying. How do I feed all of these people? Well, of course, he's the saviour. And it wasn't self-interest. I need a bit of space. This has been a long three days. I'm tired. He got tired. It was the compassion to see this group of people fed and refreshed. And then again in Luke 7, that's just this wonderful story. He's on his journey, this journey through life. And he comes to this city called Nain. And by the gate, he sees this widow. And he'll know it's a widow by the clothes that she's wearing, as well as what was going on in her countenance. Burying her only son. I mean, all is lost. And his belly is just yearning for this woman. And he reaches out, touches the coffin. The body comes to life. And hope is restored. Just amazing compassion. You see, compassion needs to move our hearts. If we want to see this world changed. It has to be compassion that moves our heart. If we really want to see lives changed in our community, in our neighbourhood, those on our doorsteps. And you see the beauty is when we choose compassion, and it is a choice, and the Holy Spirit does the rest. When we choose compassion, when we're moved by compassion, Fear, avoidance, and self-interest is removed. You notice as I draw this to a close, you know, the, the truth is, there will always be those around us who need our help. You notice that? There will always be those around us who need our help. But let me put this a slightly different way. There will always be those around us who God is leading us to, to draw near. And actually the Greek word for neighbour, it literally means one who is near. So we're not caught up in like where we live and all the rest of it. The, that, the one in front who is near. To maybe dress their wounds like this man did. And pouring wine uh, was a way of kind of just kind of uh, what's the word? Not sanitizing. <laughs> sterilizing. That's the word. You know, sanitizing. <laughs> sterilizing. You know, bringing kind of sterilizing the wound, and then the oil, just bringing healing and restoration to this person, and then not just leaving them there, but the generosity of the heart that takes them to a place of rest and restoration so that they can fully recover and you know the thing about it from time to time it will be us I mean I know in my life you know I'm the one that's wounded and I'm the one that needs the wounds bandaged and I'm the one that needs leading to the place of rest but what I love about this parable is the unspoken truth this is something we can all be 
and do. See, when we look at this, what Jesus says is, he wasn't talking about a hero. There weren't a hundred wounded people by the side of the road. And this heroic Samaritan comes along and he bandages them all up. You know, sometimes when we think of roles and ministries, we kind of create heroes in minds. There's certain people who do all of this stuff. And they do all the healing and the bandaging and they've got the healing ministry and all of this kind of things that we get caught up and we watch as spectators on the side of the road as they do this amazing work. He's not talking about that at all. Here was a Samaritan on his own journey. He had his own fears to contend with. He was on the same road and the dangers were still all around him. He would have known the same issues of avoidance. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, I, I want to avoid trouble and get from A to B as quickly as possible. He would have had the same pressure of self-interest, my life, looking after myself, self-preservation, and all of those things. But you know what moved him was compassion. And when he made that choice to stop, and to do what he could do with the things that he had. I mean, he didn't have the medical ban. You know, I don't know why he had some wine, but he did what he used what he had. And it's like God did the rest. And he offered what he had. A couple of denarii for someone else to, to, to kind of step into that. And that's kind of like building relationship as well. It was like he was not just doing it, but he was opening the door to relationship as well. I mean, the, the person, you know, who was healed up, you, you, you can just imagine, you know, it's like a lifelong friend. Forever. <laughs> After that moment. And that actually is what happens when God uses us. You know, and we don't really know the full extent. And I, I know this, that, you know, God uses us on the journey and we kind of step in because we're just moved by something, compassion within us, just to do what we've got and to offer what we've got. And like the result is we, we have like a fan, a friend for the rest of our lives who very often will step in and be that Samaritan you know, for us as well. This man had all the fears and he knew the avoidance and the self-interest but what moved him was compassion. And I love this picture. I think this is a picture for the church as well as a picture for you and I. We are on this journey. We are in this journey. If you don't think this route is dangerous, you know, it, it is. There's dangers around us. And of course we pray God's protection and blessing upon us. But I think God is looking for the church to be moved with compassion. And I want to pray for each one of us that we would allow the Holy Spirit, we would give permission to Him to show us any areas where fear has gripped or, you know, avoiding. You know, avoidance, don't confuse avoidance with, you know, making wrong choices. That's important. You know, we've got to be wise. That there's wisdom in how we live our lives. You know, there's wisdom in the way that this man 
didn't just journey, but he had provisions. Didn't necessarily know what the provisions maybe were going to be used for, but he had provisions. So, I, you know, for the Holy Spirit to show us those areas where maybe fear has gripped him, where we're avoiding certain scenarios, situations, or where self-interest we know is the momentum, that's the thing that's driving. And to allow him to show us as we ask his forgiveness, and to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us with compassion. Because it's compassion that is going to change our community and see people come alive again and know Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Can I ask us to stand together? Just take a moment, uh, we're almost imagining this journey. This is the journey of life that we're on. And just say thank you for, to the Father for, for watching over you in this journey. I know just looking out here, there are many times when you know, we've been by the side of that road. You know, battered and hurting and wounded. Yeah, God has placed people around us to, to, to bandage the wounds, to, to pour oil on that which has caused us so much pain, to heal and restore us. And we're here today. Maybe some of us actually are going through that kind of wounding experience. But my prayer for each one of us is Holy Spirit, would you come and stir us again with that which moved Jesus' heart wherever he went on the journey of life? To have compassion for all who you place in and around us. To have compassion for the one, to go after the one with compassion. To be moved so much to see them as you see them, as loved by you. And Father, for us to be able to do that because of our love for you and love for our neighbour. Come, Holy Spirit. We ask for your forgiveness for those times when fear has affected us from doing that. Or avoidance or self-interest has taken us away and we pass by. Lord, please forgive us for those times that we know about or even the unknown times we've done this. And move us afresh with compassion. And even this week, that we would have those opportunities that you give us to get alongside and to reveal your love to another. And for life to come. And we ask this in your precious name. Amen.